you want to turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to begin this morning. Beginning in verse 1. Mark's writing about Jesus. And he says this, And when he, that's Jesus, returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Welcome to home church. Welcome to home church Scotland, because I know some of them are watching online right now. There's a reason why that word home is so powerful. There's a reason why in the Bible, Mark is writing, writing here that it was reported that Jesus was at home when he was in Capernaum. Home is a powerful word, and I'm glad that home can describe this church. So why? Why was Jesus at home? Well, he was at home because we see here that Jesus returns from being away from Capernaum. So obviously, in order for him to come home, he had to be out. And he was out doing ministry. He was out beginning his ministry. And he chose Capernaum for some reason to be his home. And I think it's amazing to see how strategic our God is. Why Capernaum? Well, there are several reasons why. Capernaum is mentioned 19 times, 19 times in the gospel. It's located at the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. And at that point, right up in there, the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee, it was a, a strategic trade route that actually ran all the way to Egypt on one end and then all the way to Damascus, Syria on the other end. So this little town had a number of people that would travel through there. The Romans use it a lot for their trade routes as well, but the amount of people that came through Capernaum and the different types of people that came through Capernaum, it was the perfect location for Jesus to begin his ministry. And he did. This was also a very important fishing village that supplied uh, this region. And so he chose this. He chose it for a strategic reason, and basically his home was a tool for ministry. It was a tool. This is the place where he came, not just to rest his head, but to find connection, to do miracle signs and wonders, to spend time with the Father and rest. It's an amazing place. It's still there today. You can go and you can actually see it. You can actually see the synagogue where he taught, at least a portion of the wall and the foundation that's still standing that was there in the days that he was there. So the next couple of weeks, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means for a church to be a home. Because obviously, you all have your reasons why you're here and why you feel like this is your home. And there's a reason why we named it. It's a, there's a reason why God gave us the name home for home church. Because I think our opinion of what a home should be doesn't necessarily line up with the opinion of what God says, what Jesus says a home needs to be. So if Jesus needed a place to rest his head, if he needed a place to call home, then so do we. And that's why I believe a lot of you are here today. There's some people here right now, they're going through a lot. Their families are going through a lot. There's someone in here that's dealing with kidney dialysis. There, there's a lot of issues that we're going through, things that we're walking through as people, as individuals, that we need a place. When we get through the week, we need to come to a place where we can refresh and recharge and get ready to go back out for the next week. This is the home that we're called to be in. 
So what happened in Capernaum should not stay in Capernaum. And I thank God that it didn't. Because as Jesus did ministry, he would come to Capernaum, he would still do ministry, but he would rest, and then he would go back out, and then come home, and then go back out. So what happened in Capernaum, what we're going to see here this morning, thankfully did not stay in Capernaum. So I believe there's people that don't come to church, and there are people that come to church that have an inaccurate view of what church should be like. We just do. And some of you have been witness to that as we have gone from our previous location as, as Grace Church and we've moved here as now home church. We've been home church now for a couple of years. Actually, this March will be our second year that's in this, but we've been in this building. You've seen changes and I believe God is moving in a, in a sense that he's wanting the church as far as how we assemble and how we do things when we leave the building He's changing church as we know it. And so part of my job as your pastor is to be sensitive to that. As I go to prayer, as I feel like I'm being led by the Holy Spirit to move this church forward, then I have to be able to be willing to do those adjustments because like you, I'm a product of what church was like 20, 25 years ago. And I've got to open my mind and my heart to what God is saying and be able to move this church to the next level. Where, where is it that he wants us to go? What does he want us to do? And you know what he said to me as I was planning this, this series out? He said, go look at my son and what he thought of Capernaum. Go look and see what happened to him when he was in Capernaum. That is what home should be. If I'm going to say in my word that Jesus went home when he went to Capernaum, then maybe home is how Capernaum was and how it needs to be in the church today. Does that make sense? Sure makes sense to me. So we're a church that we're currently right now, we're preparing for Jesus to come back. And he is very soon, oh my gosh. Man, I'm getting, even right now I'm getting news alerts and I shouldn't, but I am, of the situation that is going on over in Europe and how it translates to this world but we're in this position right now where we can see the writing on the wall. And if you don't, you're blind. But you can see he's going to come back soon. So what are we doing as a church to prepare for that? How are we preparing for his return? We're doing that here at home church, but also the church in general needs to do that as well. We're doing that by glorifying God in here, but also being open to him doing extraordinary things. And as I've been preaching on the last few months, he does extraordinary things through us. Amen? He does. Revival, as I have said, I don't think is necessarily a corporate thing that we're going to experience like immediately. I think it's going to start happening on one-on-one -on -one connections that you have with people outside of these four walls and that we're all going to come here and congregate together and we're going to experience them on a corporate level or on a group level. Revival is definitely here right now. It's a matter of we're going to be involved with it or not. Are we as Christians that are individually leaving this place to go to our workplaces, to go to our schools, to go wherever it is that we're going, are we going to be open to saying, God, here I am. I'm going to be obedient. Use me. I want you to do extraordinary things through me with the intention of bringing people to Jesus. Are we going to be that church? Yes, we are. So I better understand why we gather together as a church then I want to go ahead and look at Capernaum and I want to see what home for Jesus was like and translate it into what it is like for us 
when we come to church. So let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for everybody that's in here. I thank you that as the world is crazy around us right now, that we're able to focus on you. We're able to focus on the words that you have for us. Father, I thank you that you give me those words, that you have already given me those words, and that as I speak them, let them come out the way that you want them to. Let the hearts and the minds and the ears to be open to hear and to receive. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I say the word home, that might conjure up good things, it might conjure up some bad things. I don't know your individual situations, but for me, for those of you that don't know, I was adopted as a baby, and my family, my mom and dad gave me a very good home. And I grew up in a little town, it's not so little now, um, right outside of Washington, D.C. called Sterling, Virginia, and I remember my house growing up on North Vernon Street, about a mile away from my high school, so I had it pretty easy going to school, um, in high school anyway. I had a great house. I had a dog that greeted me every day, came home from school or came home from work, that loved me, and I loved her. I had parents that were interested in my life, that would sit me down and talk to me about some things that I was walking through as a teenager. I had a place where I felt welcome. I had a place where I felt like I could rest. I had a place where I was able to watch MTV and Saturday morning cartoons and play Atari and and just be me. And some of you probably cannot relate to that whatsoever. So when I say that church is a home for you, that might be a bad thing. Or if I say church is a home, For people like me, you might be able to say that's a good thing. So we have this different view of what a home should be or what a home should not be. But what Jesus does is he redefines the word home. He redefines it. He changes it to where home should be heaven for all of us when it comes to church. This right here is a little slice of heaven. Because if the multitudes are going to stand before Jesus and worship him for all eternity, well, we're doing that on a smaller scale this morning. We just got through doing that, right? I guarantee you we're going to continue learning more and more things from him, from his word, because he is the word. He's going to teach us new things we've never even thought of. He's going to take his word and explain it to us in ways that we've never even thought of. It's going to happen in heaven. It's happening here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through some things And we're going to talk about them on what it is because as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8 verse 20, he said this, he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you somebody right now that feels like you have nowhere to lay your head? It should be right here in this place. And if you feel that way, guess what? He felt that way too. He is the Christ He is God, he is the Messiah, and he was also fully man. And he felt he had nowhere to lay his head. And I think we as a church, we have gotten it so wrong to the point where there are people out there that feel like they have nowhere to lay their head because of how they feel about church, how they have been treated at a church, what they think of a church, because church, we are guilty of propagating this idea that church has to be a place where only perfect people are allowed. 
We are so guilty of that. We may not say it, but the way we carry ourselves, the way we look down at people, clearly communicates it. And because of that, there are people that are out there and our hearts should break for them that have nowhere to lay their weary heads. So we're going to redefine that today. And maybe some of you in today, in here today or watching online can relate to what Jesus is saying. He was virtually homeless. His hometown of Nazareth rejected him. So he had to find a place that he could call home. His own brothers didn't accept him. And if he felt that way, then how much more do we as individuals can feel that way as well? But the mission, the mission that he had and the mission that we have is so great. It is tremendous that we need a place that we can go to rest and lay our heads. And if you're coming in here and you're fully energized, then my question to you is, have you been pouring yourself out during the week? Because I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not saying this to float me up or make me look good or whatever, but when I come in here on a Sunday morning ready to preach, sometimes I'm coming in here dragging my rear end up on this stage because it has been a week. And that is the way it needs to be for all of us. That the mission that God has given us to be the light of the world, to preach the gospel to every living creature, to lay hands on the sick so they would be healed, to cast out demons, to whatever it is that God has asked us to do, the Holy Spirit tells us to do while we're out and about in this world during the week needs to be to the point where it is exhaustive. Because it was for him. To where that we come back here, that's how we get that recharge and that rest and that resetting so that we can go back out there and keep moving forward. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And we're going to go through this section where it talks about Jesus being in Capernaum. And this is going to help us to define what a church as a home should be like. So in verse 14, you'll see here the heading says, Jesus begins his ministry. This is the ESV translation. And this is what it says. Now, after John was arrested, this is John the Baptist. He was arrested. He was later beheaded by Herod. After he was arrested, this was uh, basically Mark is saying, this is the line right here where, where John the Baptist's ministry of preparing the way for Jesus, as it's stated in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, that John the Baptist was to prepare a way for the Messiah. He was the voice crying out in the wilderness. This is John the Baptist. His ministry now, as he is arrested, sitting in prison, about ready to be beheaded, is now over. So Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, is now picking it up and carrying on the ministry. So Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So as Jesus is doing this, proclaiming the gospel of God, that is part of what a church should also be doing as a home, is that when we are recharged and we are rested and we go out into the world, then it's time to boldly proclaim the gospel. And that's what he's doing. He has prepared the way for the church. As John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus to come into this world, Jesus is preparing the way for his church at this point. So here we are, the church, we're here now. Here we are, 2,000 years later. Now we're preparing a way for him to come back. 
And how do we do that? Jesus defines the mission of the church right here. Proclaiming the gospel, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That should be something that comes out of our mouth. That is something that as we approach people and as we talk to them as the Spirit leads, that we lovingly lovingly lead them into a time of repentance and for them to choose and believe in the gospel. I've got somebody that's on the production team right now that asked me a question today and said, I got somebody at work that that asked me, why why should I come to church? You know, I I think I'm going to give up on Christianity and try something else. You know, what should I say to them? See, that's the exact time and moment that we need need to be prepared to have an answer. That we need to be ready to say repent and believe in the gospel. But we gotta lovingly do that. So Jesus defines the mission. He goes into Galilee. He's on his way into Capernaum. And one of the things that he says that I think is so awesome, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he defines who is allowed to come home to his church. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All who labor and are heavy laden. Are we laborers? Yes, amen. If we're not a laborer, in other words, if we're not in Christ promoting the gospel, then we are this, we're heavy laden. We have burdens that are on us. Whether we're believers or not, we still have heavy burdens that are on us. So we need to come to church and receive that rest that only Jesus can give. So if your life is just hard, You just need to come to Jesus and receive him. He would say to us all, come. So here he is, he's going into Capernaum. And in Mark chapter one, verse 16, this is where we continue to pick it up. So passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed him. Simon, Andrew, James, John, fishermen of Galilee. If you know anything about these fishermen, I mean, the Pharisees even called them out as being uneducated men. Those men from Galilee. They had a reputation. They probably were people that if you and I met them, would be extremely surprised that Jesus would call them to follow him. Very surprised. And and I'm going to admit this to you. I'm, I'm fully into this show called The Chosen. I don't know if any of you have seen the series The Chosen. I recommend it one million trillion percent. When you see the actor that plays Jesus, he, to me, gives the exact, I mean, the exact uh, replication or duplication of who Jesus is or, and was at that time when he was walking on the earth. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. The love and the connection that you feel from Jesus in this show And when he calls John and James and he calls Simon at the time, who's also known as Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother, it's just this dramatic, amazing event where, where basically Peter repents and Jesus asked him to follow him and, and he said, yep, and he left, left immediately, but see if you knew the story behind Simon and Andrew, James and John, these were not probably the best examples of what we'd think of, of being a follower of Jesus should be, right? So what does that mean? That means as I look at everybody in this room, as I watch the people that are online, I can't see you, but I know you're there. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing. Jesus accepts you for who you are. So the home, if we look at Capernaum and how Jesus calls the first four of his disciples to follow him, what we learn here is that this place is a place of acceptance. That doesn't mean I accept your sin because I don't want you to think that we're watering down the gospel Jesus just said a few verses ago that you need to repent and believe in the gospel. There is this thing called repentance. But if you are a sinner, and guess what? All of us are. For the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person in here that's that's squeaky clean. Jesus made us clean. He's forgiven our sins past, present, and future when we received him and accepted him as our Lord and Savior because he's accepted us. But we still deal with sin. So as you come in here, I'm not going to look at you and say, before you come in here, you need to clean yourself up, and then you can come in here. Because that's not what Jesus did. He called these four uneducated, rough-around-the-edges fishermen to follow him. So I would be a complete hypocrite, we would all be that, if we looked at people that walked in here and we started to look at them and say, hmm, you look like a sinner, you might need to depart. And then when you clean yourself up, then you can come back. That's not the case. No, we accept you. We want you to receive Jesus. We want you to turn away from your sin and turn to him. And then as you go forward in your life, as you follow him, and as we see the disciples and as they follow him, they become more and more like Jesus. That's the way it should be. So if your idea of church being a home is a bad idea because you've gone into a church before and you have not been accepted and you feel like you've been judged and been condemned, well, I'm telling you, it won't happen here. Welcome to home church. Verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So imagine, he's going into the synagogue in Capernaum and he's teaching the word. And the scribes, if you know anything about the scribes, and if you don't, the scribes were men that wrote the law down meticulously. That was their job. Hence the word scribe. They wrote the law, wrote the law, wrote the law, wrote the law. Oh, wait a minute, there's something that I could add on to that law to make it better. And they would sometimes add on to the law. They were such learned men that they begin to have a law complex to the point where it made it almost impossible for you to follow the law completely. Like I was talking to my wife because we were, we were talking about um, the show The Chosen and one of the things they mentioned about you can't do this on the Sabbath you can't do this on the Sabbath. You know, it's work, it's labor, you got to rest. And I, I mentioned to her, yeah, I, I heard somebody say that if you even dragged a chair across 
your, your, your room in your, in your house that consider, it was considered labor. You had just sinned. So it, it's the point where these scribes were known basically to put burdens on people that were impossible to overcome. So as these people are listening to Jesus, they're realizing that this guy has authority. Like he is teaching the word like we have never heard it before. They were absolutely astonished by it. Because when the scribes taught the law, when the Pharisees grilled people about the law, all they did was put unnecessary burden on those people that they could not live in freedom. They were enslaved to it. And if I'm going to get up here and preach the word, and it's going to be so hard and it puts unnecessary burden on you, then you have not received the freedom that I pray that God's word, God's word brings to you. It's the freedom not to do evil, but the freedom to do good. To where I believe church as a home is a bad thing for some people because all they think about is this unnecessary religion that comes on me that I'm so concerned about if I'm performing right that I'm not able to even think straight to do good things for God. So as Jesus taught in the synagogue and they were astonished and they saw that he had authority and he taught not as the scribes, he was giving them freedom. He was giving them the truth so that they could be free from this unnecessary weight, this religion, so they could go out and actually do good and not evil. Matthew 23. We're skipping down a little bit to Matthew 23. Verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. That's how Jesus feels about religion. That's how he feels about this misinterpretation of his word. To the point where he's saying here that you, the the Pharisees, the scribes, you're laying this this heavy burden that they themselves are not willing to move them with their, their own finger. Their rules enslave them from being free to do good and not evil. And here at church is a home where God's word is preached. It is here to bring love and freedom from sin so that we can do good and not evil. So welcome home. Going down from, from, uh, from Mark chapter 1 into verse 29. So we're skipping a little bit. Because in a synagogue, Jesus actually casts out a demon. But I want to get to this point here in verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city, the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. 
and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So he did all these miracles, all these signs and wonders. The whole city was gathered at the door of Peter's home. What, ha- what would happen if the whole city of Broken Arrow gathered at the doors of this church? It, are, are we going to look at them and say, well, wait a minute, you're unclean, I can't heal you. Are we going to look at them and say, uh, have you cleaned yourself up? Are you not sinning anymore so that we can heal you? Are, are we we got to get this into our hearts right now. Because when we see Jesus here, he, he is not sitting there and looking at them and judging them. No, instead he's having compassion on them first. The, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance, right? So he has compassion on them first, and now he's healing them. So if our home is a place where we're accepting people, if our home is a place to where we're preaching freedom through, through Jesus' words, then we're also a place where I believe miracles, signs, and wonders are going to happen. This is a place where extraordinary things are going to happen because our hearts are right. We're looking at people, and we're loving them. We're accepting them. We're not accepting their sin, but we're accepting them. We love them. They come in here, and because of that, now God's going to do extraordinary things through us because we have the heart of Jesus in us to give compassion and love upon these people that are coming here, and we're going to start seeing extraordinary things done by God through us in this place. So maybe, maybe you're in here and you're like, yeah, you know, I've been believing that something extraordinary is going to happen to me. Maybe I'm waiting for healing to happen in me and it's just not happening, Pastor Jeff. I'm doing all these things. I'm coming to church. I'm worshiping God with all my heart and I'm not seeing that miracle in my life. Then what I would say is if the miracle does not happen physically for your body, then the miracle is simply this, that he has given you peace in the midst of your storm. That should happen here as well. So I'm not excusing the fact that we're not seeing people get out of wheelchairs yet or cancer being completely eradicated from somebody's body at this point, although we have seen those things in the past. They will happen here. They are happening here. But if you're not experiencing your miracle right now, then maybe the miracle is the fact that God has given you peace in the midst of your storm. Amen? Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And I love this. There's something about it, if you've never done it, and I'm sure a lot of you have, and those of you that are watching online, I'm not going to say that you haven't done this, but if you've never gotten up early in the morning to spend time with God while it's still dark, and the rest of your house is still asleep, those heathens, is the most satisfying time with God because it's peaceful. There is something about the, the rest that comes on you as you're praying to him, as you're spending time in his word, that early, early, early in the morning when it's still dark. And so when I see Jesus leave Capernaum to go out to a desolate place, then there's a reason for that. He is resting up. It's like the Energizer Bunny getting recharged. And that is something that we need to do here as well. This needs to be a place of rest. But guess what? This is what happens in verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town 
that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. See, what's being represented here is we come here to rest, but we're not going to be complacent. We're not going to get too comfortable because he wasn't too comfortable to the point where he was interrupted and and he he decided that he was going to leave the comfort of his home, Capernaum, and go out throughout all of Galilee preaching in all the synagogues and healing all the sick. The problem with church today, not our church, but the church in general, is I believe that we get so comfortable in our buildings. We get so comfortable in our buildings that we don't want to do anything outside of our buildings. We get so comfortable in our buildings that we become complacent and and church just becomes a routine. Because that's what happens with comfortable situations. That's what happens with complacency is that things that are happening become routine. And there is no fresh move of God because the people are unwilling to move out of their routine. And that's why I'm saying that revival is not necessarily going to happen collectively in this building where we can schedule it like some churches do, and I don't understand that. That's why it's going to be in these one-on-one situations that you're going to have outside these four walls. So like Jesus, we come here and we rest. We get reconnected to God in a very powerful way in a corporate act of worship. But then like he, we go out and we do what he did throughout the areas that he has given us to be ministers to. So church is a home where we can rest in order to be Jesus to the world. A place where it's home because we're accepted. We have freedom. We have rest. And we're going to experience miracle signs and wonders. So in conclusion, Luke chapter 8 verse 19 If you want to turn there. So Jesus is doing ministry and his mother Mary comes to him and this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 8 verse 19. And his mother and his brothers came to him but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. He just defined what a church as a home should be. And you, sitting here listening to this message, did the very first part of it. You just heard the word. Hello, mothers. Some of you are old enough to be my mother. (laughs) Brothers and sisters. We're in this together. You just heard the word today. Now, the second part, which we're going to talk about next week, is going out and actually doing it. The one thing I love about this is I believe Jesus felt a lot closer to the people that were his disciples and those that followed him and those that he ministered to. They were closer to him than his own natural family. His brothers were in unbelief. How many of us feel like the people in our church, the people that we do ministry with, are people that are like family to us, that are a lot closer to us than our own natural family? Now, I know I do. 
there is this unique bond that we have. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you're listening to me and you're actually doing what it is that I'm telling you to do, then welcome home to my family. Because you, as he said, stick closer to me than a brother. So James, he he wrote this. This is Jesus' brother who finally came to know him as Lord and Savior, wrote this in the book of James, that we are doers of the word, not just hearers only. I think it's so appropriate coming from his own natural brother that he would say this. So here's the big idea. And this is what I want us to get in our hearts. The big idea is this, is that home is not a place. Home is... uh, Home is wherever Jesus is. And there's a picture, and I'm going to circle it back to the Ukraine. There was a very powerful picture that I saw on the news not too long ago, within the last couple of days. This group of people huddling in a circle in the middle of the street, and they were praying. That was so powerful. They, in the middle of the shelling, and of the invasion, we're having church. Jesus was right there with them. They were doing the word. Because as the enemy is coming on you, whether it's another nation, whether it's sickness, something that originates from the devil, when you gather together like that, then you're, you're doing what the word says to do is to come together and worship him, to come together and stand on his word, that we're to agree upon touching anything, that it shall be done. That is the way that that our church, the church, needs to be. Because if we're going to go out and do the things that Jesus commanded us to do, if we're going to be a church that's going to actually not just hear it in here, but then apply it and do it out there, we got to get it right in here. We've got to realize the power that God has given us and and, and how he moves when we come together. This is not a routine. This is not a chuck-the-box thing. Hey, you're just going to go to church on a Sunday. Check. This This is meant to be an empowering, worshipful moment for us as people, as his people. It's so important. So, The big idea is this, is that home is not a place. Home is wherever Jesus is.